0: The world is threatened when we need a hero. Only one secret agent fits the bill. Phineas and Ferb across the second dimension. Check it out. Welcome to
1: an alternate universe. Let's go find us. Where everything seems the same. We're you guys from another dimension. Are there four of you in this room? Five, Kelly Perry.
2: But is completely different. Yeah. Hey, Dr. D, you're famous here. Ah!
1: You know, I can't help but notice that your scar goes over your
0: eye patch. Yeah? Nothing.
1: When evil takes (laughs) on a whole new dimension...
0: Tremble before
1: me! I'm down here. I'm in the sleeve.
0: Phineas and Ferb. And Phineas and Ferb? Can we
1: do that? No, keep your head down. Join the resistance... Let's go! Yes, sir! Sir.
0: ...to defend the tri-state area. Now
1: this
3: is what I call busting!
1: Phineas, Ferb, Perry, Ow! Candace. Hey, is that me? I look good. And the whole gang
0: from Danville in an adventure so big, one dimension isn't enough. Time to start the invasion. Robot There's robots
2: all over the tri-state area. It's okay, it's a rental.
1: Whoa. Phineas and Ferb, Across the Second Dimension, the Disney Channel original movie premieres Friday, August 5th at 8, 7 central on Disney Channel.
4: to a very special 10th anniversary of the Cross the Second Dimension episode of the podcast Without a Cool Acronym. I'm your host, Chandler O'Shea, and I have a fabulous panel here today. Joining us from the musical Without a Cool Acronym, we have Andrew Grabowski, Zach Timson, and Tammy Rosales.
5: Hello, Hi. everyone.
4: Hi. Thanks for Thanks having us on, on again. Also joining us from Kyle and Luke talk about tunes, we have the great Luke Ski
0: hi everybody
4: <laughs> and joining us once again we have phineas and fur co-creator jeff Ooh, No
2: video. i was waiting <laughs> because there's no video
4: there's no video what? i didn't wait <laughs>
2: your listeners i want people to know that i put on my nice blue shirt
4: yes it's a very nice <laughs> indeed
2: you guys all have to confirm for everybody my hair is combed
4: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes I just we can confirm it. Yes, for a while.
3: <laughs>
4: it's, it's the thought that counts.
2: Good to be all here, right. guys. Good to see you again.
4: Uh, great to have all of you here. So, of course, um, like I said, it is the tenth anniversary of Across the Second Dimension. Can you guys believe that? That movie came out ten years ago. Half my life I ago. Can. That's crazy. Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: I remember seeing promos for this on the Disney Channel, like crazy. I I, I think I, I think I was in Disney World in twenty eleven around when it was coming out, and like on every bus and every transit thing, there was just like watch across the second dimension. It was a very exciting time it was to be
3: such here. a huge deal. Yeah,
5: it's
2: funny because it's always even farther back for us because it's it's two or three years before that that it all begins, and then usually we're done, at least. Almost a full year before it comes out because Disney, mm. you know, needs to get oh, all the R really? and stuff done. So we're finished with it. I, I always like the moment when it hits the screens and we rewatch it again and kind of go, "Oh
4: yeah, I'd forgotten bits." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's been a year. <laughs> yeah.
4: So um, kind of um, so, so swampy. Um, kind of what was the. The sort of genesis of the movie—I I, I think I remember you guys saying that it had started as kind of an idea for a shorter episode, and it kind of grew into what it ended up being.
2: Yeah, you know, um, the the movie ideas in the beginning, the stuff that ended up becoming movies, uh, often started out as episodes, eleven-minute episodes that got pushed into you know half-hour episodes. Uh, Half-hour episodes that turned into an hour, and then you know they finally let us do uh, the first movie, and it was uh, it was just made up of ideas that that we'd been talking about from before. That there's no way you could do in eleven minutes, um, but uh, it was it was really cool to finally get to do a long-form piece. Uh, we. <laughs> We had a great time, but <laughs> even that, we had so much material that there's stuff that we loved that ended up getting cut. I remember, you know, there was, there was one bit, uh, really an extended bit that Kim Roberson had put together about the mysterious force
4: <laughs> that we
2: desperately <laughs> tried not to cut.
4: That's all to,
2: to the point where we knew we had to cut it. And yet we just kept waiting like, no, <laughs> there will be another way
1: <laughs> was it just i remember when timing because of uh because of it being on disney channel or was it for other reasons
2: well there was you know there's always a time limit um and and it's not that even when you're doing work for a streaming service like when we did this the most recent the candace against the universe that was done for a streaming service and as much as streaming services talk about the fact that because it's not regular broadcast, it can be any length, they still need to budget this stuff. So once you've got an agreed budget, you know how long it's gonna be. So those decisions take place mostly in advance. And it doesn't mean that we then might not get a little wiggle room, but the expense of animation for every minute, if, if you're gonna go long, people wanna know why because <laughs> it's gonna cost money. So at the end of the day, we, you know, we were still on Disney Channel. We did have regular commercial constraints. So we did have to cut it for that. But a lot of stuff, you're, you say that you're cutting it for time, but really um, there are really funny bits that lose the momentum of the story you're telling. Or that take away from the character that you're, you know, you're telling the story about. And as funny as they are, you still need to make the choices to serve the character. You know, doing right by the story beats funny, um, unless you're just doing a pure, you know, gag tree kind of show, like, you know, Bugs Bunny. Bugs has to get across the Mason-Dixon line. Yosemite Sam has to stop him uh there's a little more wiggle room just to go with the gag rather than a complex character development for bugs and or yosemite you know
1: uh or if you're making we, a movie we, like like airplane or something that's just all gag based rather than yeah
2: you know there's you, halfway through airplane if you remember what the heck they were trying to do or why I <laughs> they've done something <laughs> wrong and and that's not what that film did well. It was just gag on top of gag. And I think the only um, you know, character or story arc that they had was within each scene that they had. Yeah, finish. I think you're right. <laughs> um, I remember I, I watched that film while I was living in England the first time in Exeter. I went into a, a movie theater in Exeter. And, and a lot of people were laughing but literally half the jokes, I was the only American in the audience. <laughs> so I clearly remember being in the back of the theater and every time you'd see people go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you brought up Airplane. Well, you airplane. listening, because this is a podcast, I, I just mime British people turning and looking at me <laughs> like. <I'm, laughs> 10
1: out of my... 10 visual gag for an audio yeah. medium.
2: But it was you this picture, a picture like, of like about 20 firms
0: turning around and looking at you.
2: <laughs> I, I was in stitches through the whole thing, and it wasn't until after we got outside and all of my friends were like, "Why were you laughing? It wasn't funny. <laughs> was, it was this like, a comedy? Yeah, it was you know, the stuff that, that was funny, they thought was funny. Nobody didn't enjoy the film, but there was layers of stuff that just had to do with our personal history of growing up with television in America or seeing ads from America that no Brit got. So it was just, <laughs> we tried to enjoy the film, but there was this strange American man at the back laughing hysterically at things that clearly weren't funny. We're getting some camera <laughs> sure, airplane story, but going all the way back to where we were. Yeah, um, we, we cut some things for time that were just brilliant things.
5: But, I, I remember, um... When Candace Against the Universe came out, um, I, I don't know if the reason was similar, but it was people sort of drew the parallel that mysterious force got cut from across the second dimension and then in Candace Against the Universe, the song The Universe Is Against Me was in there but only briefly. Um, I, and know, I, the, yeah, the I remember people that... making uh, that meme of Doofenshmirtz that's like, you know, if I had a nickel every time Candace <laughs> got a song cut from a movie, I'd have yeah. two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah. twice.
2: No, but the, the the thing that we found about the whole universe is against me. We love that song. It's just a kickbite song. It's so good, it's so good. It's so, yeah. Writing it was great. The sing, the performance was amazing, but what it did to Candace's character at the beginning of the film didn't serve the story. And no matter how we tried to make that work, it didn't. And by cutting it short the way we did it did serve what we wanted and it was another one we sat around just kind of going are you sure <laughs> we have to and we're the ones cutting it <laughs> so yeah,
5: we, yeah we do. and if i and then, if i remember you know, it wasn't such a beautiful day like a relatively last minute uh addition to sort of change candace's exposition i think yeah. i heard that somewhere
2: yeah because we we realized what we wanted to do what we didn't do was set Candace up on a happy we had her really rolling into the film just already down and we thought god it's Candace's film that sucks you have to give her that high you have to get her you know up and show that cuz i some of my favorite things that we've done with Candace are when she's happy and when things are going for her and it reminds you you know that She's got these same dreams and aspirations and and you know joys in life, and that song nailed that, in a way that you know the whole universe is against me didn't, because you know we just we needed that, in any great film you know you got people cruising along happy thinking it's all going well and then their world gets shattered and they have to start making decisions, and and that song did it perfectly. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think that was a perfect way to open the the film. Speaking of perfect ways to open the film, I love the way that Across the Second Dimension is structured. How about that segue? <laughs> uh, I love the way Across a the way Second Dimension is to bring it back. <laughs> right back. Bring it around town. Not
2: enough oozed and smooth to describe you, my friend.
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> how it's the... Uh, I I mean, it's it's not... It doesn't always work as a setup, but when it does, it really works. The other example I can think of is *The Emperor's New Groove*, where it's kind of like, "Okay, how the heck did we get here?" and then you flash back. Yeah. Uh, and I think I that's love perfect. The
2: Emperor's
1: New Groove. I'll be honest, Verb. I'm having a tough time putting a positive spin on
5: this. Yeah. You're kidding me? The Llama, Cusco de Llama. <laughs> <laughs> Same film, um, same film.
1: That whole
2: Everything's Better with Perry did the same thing.
4: Mm. I yes. love that song. It's
2: so that perfect. That whole song was created to answer a note that we got from <laughs> Gary Mark. Luke is who somehow that thought that, that nobody was would relate to the kids being that distressed about Perry. Disappearing or being an agent or that we hadn't established that relationship. And we really sat in the room kind of going, have you been watching the show, <laughs>
0: right? Because
1: yeah.
2: I don't think that would be a problem, but you know, it, it, oftentimes we find that you end up getting something out of a note that that a note that might originally piss you off a little bit um, or that you think is stupid or lame. And, and indeed, the note may be stupid or lame, but it causes you to think of things that are really funny. And whether or not what Gary thought about, you know, what people's perception of that relationship was or would be, that song, again, did a really wonderful job. Not only was it just a blindingly good song, but it really set up this opening mood for things that was just bright and fantastic and wonderful and together that made the rest of the story work really well. So again, we may have thought the note was stupid up front, but in the end, it it really serviced us very, very well. So we do have to thank him for that, begrudgingly.
0: But <laughs> that was I, I, when, <laughs> I, when, I, when I worked on Magiswords at Cartoon Network, some of the most ridiculous notes turned into like stuff that became canon on the show it was <laughs> so we we had a we had a creature in a library that kind of looked like a big three-headed dragon thing but then we got a note because somebody was concerned it looked too much like the librarian from Monsters University so i had to <laughs> but we already had the board all done so i had to figure out a monster that fit that shape in the board so, so we wouldn't have to reboard everything. So I invented uh, a character that was a little tiny-sized librarian woman and then she had a giant Sasquatch who would just kind of carry her around <laughs> named Biblia Tick and Monkey Junks. And then they became characters on the show and a couple of Kyle's favorites to write with. So I love stories of, we got this note and so this happened. <laughs> yeah. No, it's
2: true. And 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 this was the thing that you know I spent Ages working with our board writing teams because they'd get notes that you could just see in their face. They were like, God damn it. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. But can we figure out a way to turn that around? And and the the things that were great were the stuff that were like legal notes or standards <laughs> and practice. So, you know, of course. We've had some terrible ones, but it it did force you to be more creative and more funny with um, the only exception I really remember was the time we got a note on a zip panning background in a chase sequence. And one of the things that zipped by, because somebody must have been framed by framing it, was a place that somebody had labeled Pizza Place.
4: Pizza Place, <laughs> pizza yes.
2: You, 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 you the, told
4: the story on the uh, last name. one
2: you were on. <laughs> pizza Place. You can't say that. There's a place called Pizza Place.
3: <laughs> pizza Place. <laughs> <is, laughs>
2: because their expectation for exclusivity is gone. (laughs) Um, I have a brand of coffee called Coffee Brand Coffee. (laughs) Yes, suck it, loser. Anyway, but it was those kind of things that you'd get that, yeah, forced you to think differently, and you ended up with really funny stuff out of it. So,
5: Can I ask a question about uh, that opening number and the title of the film? Because you have that gag where it opens up with... uh, Phineas and Ferb, the movie Across the Second Dimension in Fabulous 2D. I remember reading on the wiki page like literally 10 years ago. I have no idea if this is true, but it said that originally that was the official title of the film and executives like made made you remove the in Fabulous 2D and it just ended up in the opening sequence. Is that true at all? There was so much debate
2: uh, about (laughs) the name of that film you you have no idea how many meetings we sat through with people that were being paid large sums of money.
5: Can we hear any of the alternate names?
2: Oh, it was all different. I don't even remember, because it was all variations of that. It was people going, do we call it the Phineas and Ferb movie across the second dimension? Are people gonna be confused? Because it's, an, and Dan and I just thought it was funny. It was across the second dimension. In two D, <laughs> we literally had marketing people going. I think that might be confusing for the audience. It's also going
5: to be really long, and we're like, it was very straightforward <laughs> to me. Like, you know, you're watching a two D film.
4: Well, of course, that yeah. I was, it's, that was back know, when three like, D was so huge.
2: Yeah, but it and it was just we thought, what do you think? That's going to keep people from tuning in. <laughs> they know what the this is our audience. And the fact that it has a really long and clumsy and obnoxious title to us was just funny. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't
1: well, care. also the Phineas and, and other and people
2: Ferb, were like, how are we gonna put that on a poster? <laughs> like, well, I don't know. Is that really I mean, the most important thing?
1: The Phineas and Ferb no? audience, like y'all have admitted that you never wanted to you never wanted to dumb down the humor for kids, or you never wanted to like make it simple because you know that they'll catch up and that they'll be able to enjoy the show. And I think that title is a great example of that. Like no one was going to be turned off from watching the movie if the title was overly complex or was a gag, but uh, apparently that- Oh man, that it's in, two
3: in 2D, I'm not gonna watch
5: that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I bought these 3D, 3D glasses, glasses for nothing. <laughs> yeah,
2: but you know, it, it's true. We've, we've always said um, y- you, you can never go wrong overestimating the intelligence of you know kids. Kids are so much smarter than anybody gives them credit for. And we've I mean, thrown really stuff out of deeply complicated. And it's always great getting that that justification, that validation, vindication of the next day. You know, We were lucky enough to have Twitter. We didn't have to wait for someone to write a card or a letter. Twitter would immediately go out there and you'd have kids completely getting everything. Um,
0: a philosopher trading cards.
1: <laughs> I was about to, cards. I was, that was right. on the tip of my tongue. I was about to bring up that gag.
2: Oh, and that gag stayed in because we got a note saying kids won't get existential philosophy. And we're like, dude, adults won't get
1: existential. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think, you know, I think a counter argument could also be. So what if they don't get it? Maybe that'll encourage them to look it up and then yeah. they'll educate I learned
5: so more. many yeah, words by yeah. hearing them on Phineas and Ferb and then yes. looking up what they meant. Like, I, I didn't know what the word cliche meant, and they use that all the time. Uh, it's serendipitous. Kind of yeah, like... It Somebody <laughs> said, you can't use
2: that word. Nobody will know what it means. It's like... We yeah, but it's it sounds go. Funny. Yeah. And if they laugh, they'll go look it up and ooh, they have knowledge.
3: No, also it's the, the, the My,
2: my
4: language.
3: first language is not even English and it helps me so much. This show helped me in so many ways, but the, the amount of vocabulary that I got to learn through this show, is just amazing. Yeah.
2: No, the, the existential philosophers thing was, was, is my all-time <laughs> favorite because it was a classic example of uh, it was weird, it was out there, it was, again, it was over anybody's head. If you weren't a philosophy student, you don't know, you know, Nietzsche and abuse, okay, but we put it in, and the fact that it was Buford who cared exactly. about it, exactly. it was That's funny. Funny. and he was being serious about it, and that was what we tried to explain, is you don't have to understand who any of these philosophers are to find it funny that Buford cares, that that trading cards for them exist, <laughs> Yeah, Buford collects them, and he's, you know, into it. That's just funny, the fact that it's existential philosophy is beside the point. And you know, that was the gag that tons of people related to the other one that we got a big note for, you know, that everybody remembered was mine, you know, the academy. (laughs) And and somebody said, that's you, you, you're not going to leave that in there. And like, yeah, of course we are. It's hysterical. It's a staple. Nobody will know you're not going to explain it. We went, no, but that'll (laughs) be- the funny part. That's going to be what Dan described as the the Monday morning uh, schoolyard gag that everybody's going to
1: talk about. Like and everyone gets to school and they're just going around going, "How well, are your days at the academy?"
2: And and uh, one of the executives made that note, and uh, Dan said, um, "I'll bet you that's the number one thing that gets tweeted about <laughs> about people like." And the guy said made some comment, like, I'll give you a dollar for every tweet.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, later, and Dan
2: through. pulled up the Twitter account and says, by the way, I think you owe me about 350
1: bucks. <laughs> Long story <laughs> it, short, Y'all bank to
2: Disney. Would you take it in high school musical merchandise? <laughs> and it was like, no, we're good. I'll let you off on this one. But it was, <laughs> you know.
4: That's amazing. Ah, high school musical. What's old is new again fun. <laughs> uh so of course we get the the scene that's kind of the flashback where cuz the the whole thing that I kind of always forget about is like oh yeah they start by saying it's uh, it's the 5 year anniversary of when they adopted Perry and we flash back to see that um my favorite joke is hey this one's looking at you phineas and this one's looking at you firm and candace is just like why won't anything look at me? <laughs>
2: Oh, we were mercilessly cruel to (laughs) candidates. I love how I still get questions about, you know, it's like, was was Perry an agent before he was adopted by them or did become an agent afterwards because we saw them here, but it was an Alka front. And I love that people really try to put it all together (laughs) and it makes sense. And there was some things we did and some things we didn't you know at a certain point there was stuff that was logical enough to us that we just went with I don't know it's funny.
4: <laughs> yeah. <I> just... <laughs> That's right. it's so funny to see so many it's so funny to see like you know film theory videos where it's like, you know, this, this is this is what I think they did. And they were master planning this the whole time. And you guys are just like, huh, oh, we hadn't even thought about that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well look when 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 we found that Russian girl's diary. Where she taught. I'm just kidding.
5: (laughs) (laughs) It's confirmed.
2: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely.
5: I've had so many conversations stem from this. Is a a later scene in the movie, but um, there's a single scene in all of across the second dimension that brings up so many questions about the Phineas and Ferb timeline that everyone tries to piece together. And it's the fact that um, when the the OWCA recreates everything that Phineas and Ferb built all summer the Santa Claus's sleigh from the Christmas episode is in there, and it's like, well, wait, they don't do that until the following December, and then in Milo Murphy's Law, Christmas is here, and I've Look, just seen... Maybe
1: Doof, maybe Doof had a relapse, or something. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. That, that's I, Dave's
4: go-to we, answer, is that is that there's we there a relapse, and something or other. I also think alternate timelines can explain it, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we, also, we were exactly. we were at
2: one of our first uh, conferences that Dan and I did, at big uh, panel discussion in New York and uh, we were taking questions from the audience afterwards and this little girl she must have been about five or six I don't know she was small people she could have been 30 I don't know anyway young (laughs) Um, but she was like really cute little girl she steps up we're like yeah what's your question and she said yeah um, in episode you know six uh, you said that uh Candice was lactose intolerant, but then uh, in the next season her favorite sandwich was grilled cheese. <laughs> she gave us that look like, what's that all about? And then Dan said, Well, it was it was lactose free cheese. <laughs> Dairy free, it was we just we forgot. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: I, I you like how lose. you guys, you guys have openly admitted to checking the wiki to be like, okay, what was, what was
0: yeah.
2: this about? <laughs> wiki was the best thing that ever happened to us. Cause anytime we were in it, it's like, Oh God, what, did, when did we do that? it you
5: know, Putting, putting don't together a, a fan-made musical, the wiki has been quite a helpful resource. Wiki was great. We,
2: we leaned heavily on that, especially when you do long form stuff for films, cause you have to go back and remember. And we were, we tried, uh, whenever we thought about it when as much as we could we tried to make sure absolutely that we were true to the history so we'd go look this stuff up and figure out what we did and what we said and, and try to make it make sense it was like you know it's like if i ha- if i'm wearing a dress see i told you he'd come through I, if I, if I, if I'm wearing dress, in the middle of a podcast is it Django? <laughs> teenagers <laughs> anyway not even I anymore. I it's <laughs> Stop on talking to some crazy person who works down at the art gallery where he's interning this summer
1: oh congratulations uh, Fern! that sounds awesome yeah,
2: yeah. good
4: i think glad, it's good i think
2: it's on, doing organizing <laughs> good for him he's 20.
4: um so of course um Vinous and ferb decide to build the um the platypult badminton based on um perry's involuntary reflex which i don't think ever came back again in the rest of the show it was just uh this is this is one of those things that just gets introduced for the movie and then gets completely forgotten about
1: oh it's great or maybe it's not forgotten about but it's one of those things where you know phineas and ferb they don't try to you know rehash stuff so maybe they were just like oh we've already done that yeah, we can move they can't on. do They're it twice, twice. unless, it, unless it's
4: a yeah unless so. it's a roller coaster <laughs> well <laughs> we they rehashed the roller coaster. Yeah, so we did
0: I mean there's, there's also the point of view of there's all those you know certain types of fans out there if you you know Later on in the, episode, in the series, they're doing that and someone's like, um, you already did the involuntary response thing. Why don't you repeat yourself a little bit more, oh, you know? Are you
3: running out of ideas? Oh, my Candace God.
0: has <laughs> already been the
5: queen of an extraterrestrial uh, planet. What are you so doing? Many, the so Simpsons many. already had a
0: horse and it was hilarious.
2: Uh, so many pictures that people had for us for stories. We would sit there and go, did we? Mm, no, yeah. <laughs>
1: check the wiki check that would be it
2: it's like check the wiki check the wiki (laughs) find stuff that was close, so we'd have to massage it and because we started out the show with a big whiteboard filled with doofenshmirtzes and aders (laughs) and plots and then we'd fill it with things that Phineas and Ferb could build and you'd try to mix and match but we got through that list that was
1: that was actually a question that I've, I've had for a while like did when writing an episode did you have like ideas for Phineas and Ferb and ideas for Doof and try to, like which would you normally start with? Uh, what was the priority normally? The one there? thing that
2: was absolutely normal was that there was absolutely no normal.
5: Uh, <laughs> <Gotcha>.
2: we, <laughs> one of the first things we did is we had that big list that we got everybody together and just brainstorm. So we would have them, um, which you know, gave people a jumping off place. Uh, but you, know, you get a couple of writers in a room uh, and they're going to come up with something else and so again the stuff that people come up with that was off the list tended to be funnier because the list that you come up with that you brainstorm is kind of stuff you'd expect right and then putting a really bizarre twist on it for no reason whatsoever I, I, I can't even remember which episode it was I know we got to a thing We thought it was so funny because it was so bizarre that Doofenshmirtz even had a moment where he couldn't remember what he was going to do with it. (laughs) You know, that that sounds unbranded. So bizarre that then he went,
1: But I don't remember what I was going to do with
5: it. Zinc foil?
1: Zinc Zinc foil. Zinc.
5: Yeah.
4: Big uh, (laughs) laundry. Big
5: laundry.
1: (laughs) That was a big
2: laundry. (laughs) This big laundry. That was great. Uh, Sir,
4: we do not deliver our hot wings to the bottom of the lake
2: yeah. John Barry John <laughs> Barry wrote some of the most bizarre stuff he and Piero Paluzzo they were great the, God, the songs in that one were terrific in the film that had Perfect Day which I still sing Perfect Day it's in the mid-70s he
1: made it that and was on the, the it, soundtrack
2: there. uh
1: God. i was watching the film again today of to, sort of prep for this, uh, to prep for the podcast and i was i remember just watching it and going oh my gosh every song in this slaps because it really does off you know with everything's better than perry and then you got um uh brand new best friend brand new best friend of course?
4: where do we
5: begin so
1: that, song. that song of oh the, the, the series that's the epitome of
4: the series so
5: think- good Brand New Reality is a sleeper hit. That one is an absolute dream. I love
4: Brand New Reality. That's so uh, good.
5: There, uh, for the, I was recently playing, just because I wanted to, the video game based on Phineas and for Across the Second Dimension. And that one opens up with like an originally composed song um, called Gotta Get Gone that like recaps, yeah. uh, basically recaps like half of the events of the movie to catch... The player up to where the game starts. Was that written like at the same time as the songs in the movie or well after? Or we used to video games were weird. Okay. Disney, Disney, this is stuff that nobody needs
2: to know and nobody cares about. <laughs> we Disney care about publishing. It. Disney publishing is is murderously expensive to license songs, even when it's one of the other divisions of Disney licensing the song. So, we were, we were sitting there in a meeting with a bunch of game developers who said to us, you know, because we said at one point, I think, why aren't we using our music? And they went, oh, it's too expensive. And I'm like, you're our <laughs> own music. It's the same so company. Like, Didn't we own that? We show with, they're not going to cut you a deal. And they went, oh, no. That's so fascinating. So, yes. we have over the years, uh, Dan and I have gone to the, the Disney publishing division and lobbied to get them to give deals so that we can use music. But sometimes when we couldn't get the use of the music that somebody wanted, we would write something for them so that they had something that fit um, and that worked well. Uh, if, do any of you guys watch uh, Pam Madeline's show, Better Things on FX? Uh,
3: I've <sighs> yeah, heard of it. It's I don't a great
2: show. It's so good. Pam was the voice of Bobby Hill. Among other things, okay. and I know Murphy's Law. She was the voice of Mom. She's gotcha. amazing. Okay. Her show is phenomenal. But she wrote the uh, climax to the end of I think it was the second season, where she wanted to use the Phineas and Ferb theme song and have her daughters and all their friends singing it. And she went to Disney. They were like, "Yeah, it's super expensive." And so she called us, and it's like, "I can't afford that. We're a cheap, you know, FX show. Can you help?" And it took us two months of calling to finally get to somebody who would approve you know, like waiving our fees so that she could use it. It's one of the funniest bits ever on her show. It was so great. But I, mean, I still need to go back ben, and watch that. And then finally got a hold of a guy and dead said, look, I'm trying to get you know somebody to you know, let them use this. We're gonna waive our fees. And the guy went, Oh, you guys really said that? We're like yes and the (laughs) the thing is we work at the same company if you had any question about whether or not we said it why didn't you call us (laughs) because clearly somebody told you that that's what we wanted to do and if if you didn't believe them we're right down the hall (laughs) just come on down and ask us we've been leaving messages for you guys for two months yeah, Disney publishing is weird. So on the upside, we got to write some other songs just for video games and things.
5: <laughs> and some of them are really good.
4: Yeah. Um, so of course, the other the other kind of thread that's going on is um Candace's whole thing about how um uh she's afraid that um Jeremy is gonna go off to college and be all mature and wear tweed patches with jackets on the elbows and leave her um behind because she's all childish and everything actually i think my favorite line regarding that all of that is a unicorn a unicorn stacy hi i'm six (laughs) followed by um goodbye childhood childhood folly hello carefree undemanding adult life and linda's just like yeah good luck with that (laughs) yeah good luck with that that. yeah good luck with that one that'll work out for you um, and that's kind of her whole whole thing and she's like, Oh, well, I'm a grown-up now, so the mysterious force recognizes that I'm a grown-up. Um okay. I, I, I feel like that kind of gets gets dropped, obviously, when she ends up going through the, the portal and meeting up with um Phineas and Ferb in the second dimension, but then it, it kind of comes back in a pretty satisfying way at the end, which I've always loved. How she's like, I'm gonna save the day in the way that I know how, which is knowing the formula of my life.
2: Yeah. This is how it goes. I figured it out.
5: I have the solution. <laughs> I, re- I really love that that small arc that that Candace gets in across the second dimension because, unlike Candace against the universe, she's not. I would I would argue not the main focus of that movie. It's more about Phineas and Furman Perry, but uh, she still like felt very, yeah. very much present the entire time because of that.
2: I, I the thing that I'm proud of in that is is how hard it was to get everybody to a point where that that sense of betrayal that Phineas has and that expression is genuine because one of the things we've found you really can't do with Phineas or Ferb um, is just have them be you know angry you wouldn't you know, like him when he's, that, he's angry that, that you know bored guys would do where they're and then you know somebody says something Phineas gets angry doesn't work that way it doesn't work like that it's, you have to earn and that and it's hard that's how you know
1: it. it's a that's how you know it's a special episode because yes when you think about the times of phineas got angry It's got yeah, summer belongs to you mission marvel yeah. across the second dimension but and that you might be he's yelling at a sister again
2: you have to earn it and it's really hard to get him there it's like uh you know traveling around the world getting phineas to the point where he gives up is hard mm-hmm. to make it believable and true for his character is hard. It took a lot of work. I know a couple of our writers and board artists were just like, oh man, you guys are being difficult. And it's I know like, this isn't mean, you if, are, a character, if, if you, you have a character it, such as Phineas that, that
1: is relentlessly optimistic in what seems to be like the worst case of scenario, the case scenario has to be really bad and the stakes have to be really high in order for him to be put. That's and exactly I think, you know, why. To- I know that
4: Belongs. this isn't an episode about Summer Belongs to You, but I want to say really quick, yeah, the, the way that it, it gets to the point where it's like, no, there's literally nothing that they can cobble together on this island. And Phineas just gets to that point and it's just yeah. devastating for him. Yeah,
5: I think that entire sequence is probably my favorite scene in all of phineas and ferb just it's the writing so when they're on that island between phineas and then isabella going through her own arc to to sort of redeem phineas and then the way that candace gets brought in it's just beautiful it's probably my favorite favorite thing that you guys so have good. written
4: so so good um uh, back to across the second dimension so of course um they meet up with um, Doof and Perry gets there late because his new rocket car is terrible. <laughs> like, like, because it not only not only is it hard to control, but of course it crashes into the, the shuttlecock at the exact right wrong moment. Uh, and of course, you got the, the one tow truck guy that made like a boatload of money that day, <laughs> showing two platypoles <laughs> and a rocket car winch.
1: I do have a a question about um, a line that happens around that time when they're going towards the building and Phineas mentions that the building is shaped like Ferb's head. Was that something that y'all were always aware of? Uh, And then when you were writing the script, you were like, this is a perfect place to put this in. Or were you writing it and was like, wait, that's hilarious. Let's let's... (laughs) Somebody else
2: said it. One of our writers. We all kind of went, what is it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So the funnier one from that is that the actual, uh, the logo from the show. I was about to ask about that. P and F for Phineas and Ferb. So we had the uh, the guys at Disney logo division, because there's a Disney logo division. Yes, They're there the guys that had been working for months and came up with stuff that Dan and I just hated, hated it. Oh, we thought, and I felt so bad for these guys, but it was like, this is awful. And uh, one day we were sitting in our office and one of our production guys who I'm working with now, um, who's actually the head of production for my independent studio, uh, Lance LeComp, he comes into the door, you know, one of those holding a piece of paper. <clears throat> uh, excuse, excuse me, guys. Uh, yeah, this is um, It's probably none of my, uh, I'm you know, no, I'm just... a. Uh, you know I had that last night this idea thing with the uh the logo and it's probably off but anyway here you go (laughs) he stumbles through this excuse for it hands us a piece of paper with that logo on it and both Dan and I just went oh god that's so we had never thought of it that
3: way (laughs) I can't (laughs) believe that was a moron
2: amazing and it's perfect and so we took it to the disney logo people and went okay this is our logo and they went okay we'll take this and we'll just said no 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 don't touch it <laughs> that's it this is it that is the you logo can it up and make it high res this is and they brought back another version that was still, okay we're like don't don't touch it just it was this is it <laughs> And so that was, uh, that was you know, Lance, who was just one of our production guys who came up with it. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, stuff that we never thought of. And people like, oh, I love how you did that with the shapes of their heads and the letters. It's like, nothing to do with us. We <laughs> were- Never thought of that. Um, but the Doofenshmirtz building was the, the, one of the first things that I designed. And uh, I always like to think after, uh, studying architecture for four years and working in the field briefly, that that is the only building design that I will ever be known for.
1: (laughs) It's funny, we actually have an architecture student in this call, so. so.
2: An architecture student. I'm actually
3: studying, yeah.
2: Where are you studying?
3: I'm studying architecture, it's just like in general. Um, And it's sometimes pretty hard because it's, It's not something that I'm very passionate about, but I really like architecture. So I'm just trying to keep going.
2: I was gonna be, I mean, that's what gave me the training to get my first job was the perspective training that I got in architecture. And my wife's an
5: architect. She graduated from SIR. I think Weird Al got his degree in architecture before. uh, Yes. San San
0: Luis Obispo. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Good architecture school there. (laughs) Now my wife got uh, basically kicked out of Arizona State, um, and then uh, because she was here on a visa, she's like, I need to be an." They kicked her out of Arizona State for not applying herself, which I love that because it's the number one party school in the country, and it even <laughs> was back then. It's like, how were you so not applying yourself that they noticed? That's impressive. Um, you didn't go to an enough- But they said there's a school in LA that'll take you, SciArc, it's, you know, they'll take anybody, but it's got like a 79% dropout rate on the first year. And she was like, okay. So she came to LA, went to school, and that was what she needed. That was the environment she needed. She graduated and practiced architecture for years here in LA and then over in Europe. And until she decided to do what I did and drop out, and she actually got a job in the movies and worked on a, a couple of films before we got together, and then she retired. That's awesome. <laughs> she me, which is a full time job, but architecture. Started. I love it.
4: Very cool. And uh, of course, the other thing that's uh, that's happening in the movie is, uh, Doof is Doof like has a buffet set up and is like practicing for his other dimensionator with Norm. <laughs> Suddenly, a wild Django Marsh appeared. Young person.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello.
4: Hello, everybody.
2: See? How's it going? It's this, Is this Django? This is Django. Hey, Hi, Django. Django. It's nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, who in the, in the show was the ball pit kid and also uh, played Ferb's British cousin.
4: Name. Baltzar Horowitz,
3: but you can call me the ball pit kid. Well if you're all such cracking footballers,
1: then we challenge you and your friends to a football match. So what do you say? Playground rules? How about football X7
5: rules?
3: (gasps) Football X
1: seven? That's only theoretical.
5: Amazing. (laughs) But didn't didn't play Django in the show. That was somebody else. That's funny.
2: If you, if you, if, it, if you had the name of the character that was your name, they didn't want you to do it because they were afraid. Of it. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Just why I didn't do the voice of Swampy.
5: Well, right. Of course. Which sure was it's a weird thing
2: to see you and me as characters, and then not playing not those two playing characters. characters. <laughs> it was yeah. But, you know. You do. Anyway. See you, buddy.
1: Wow, nice you up to, meet to the gallery? You. Nice to meet you. For all of you people
2: it. in Podcast Land who didn't see any of that, that was my son, uh, who stopped by to say hello. He's a funny-looking dwarf of
4: a guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He'll never see. He'll never listen to the
4: podcast, so it'll be fine. You <laughs> can say
5: anything we want. Oh
4: no. <laughs> uh... One thing that's always kind of bugged me and I don't know why this happened and maybe Swampy, you, you know why this happened. But after, um, after of course, Terry tries to stop the other dimensionator from being started up by, you know, biting Doof and peeing on the couch, why does the apartment then suddenly change from being outside to being inside? Is it like randomly changes for some reason? Like the backgrounds all change. Right before they're going through the portal to the other dimension, anyway. I never noticed that. I'm sure you're wrong. <laughs> uh, <I was laughs> never it, Not
3: it, the plot.
2: And if of- it <laughs> was, it was certainly intentional. Uh,
3: Surely intentional.
5: Take intentional credit
3: for that. Do it
5: scouring Phineas and for episodes for backgrounds. And I think there's probably at least like 200 different interiors of the Doofenshmirtz building. Like it, it is, it is phenomenal how many well, have been created. And we kept, I, and here's the problem because we were doing a, an outline
2: show. Um, so, you know, you would hand a three or four page outline to a storyboard crew and they're under a heck of a deadline. And the priority for them is not, you know, continuity. We're charging them to do a compelling story about these characters and write a bunch of dialogue that matches those characters and be hysterically funny in 11 minutes. So at a certain point you just start playing fast and loose with the things you can and because (laughs) Doofenshmirtz building gets blown up or destroyed regularly, that was one of the ones we let go we're like (laughs) dude. you know if you're at, if we can keep it consistent we will try but you know if you need to do something it blew up
5: last week so we're good right. i know in this movie they establish there's uh you know people living below the penthouse uh in elsewhere in the building because he has that neighbor that won't let him in but then there's also that episode where he goes into his basement so it's like okay he owns the very top and the very bottom and there's all these random people in between just people there that get is that, the, yeah. is
1: that the is that the jingle
2: that's like DuPont Schmertz's uh, Nailed it, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, DuPont Schmertz Incorporated. So I think, but to answer your question about that particular one, I think the answer was there were so many models for DuPont DuPont Schmertz's place uh, overseas that somebody just got the wrong message, and one <laughs> wow. team. You know, and at a certain point you look at it and you think, how much can we fix in the amount of time we have with the amount of money we have? And then the rest of it, you're just gonna leave for the folks to find it. Boofs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and gaffes and let it go
4: if you can't fix it. Yeah. Luke, you were asking how many storyboard artists there are? Yeah, I, yeah I, was,
0: I was curious for, for each normal 11 minute episodes, how many different storyboard artists did you have working on each uh, individual story?
2: We had two board artists per 11 minutes, and then we always made sure that they had a cleanup person as well, um, and they they were, at the end, were kind of responsible for the cleanup with help, but they had, once they got the story and everything working and it was all approved, they had like a, another two, three weeks, something like that, to get all the rest of the board done with help.
5: So I have a question about the production of the film. Um, Because if I remember correctly, when it debuted, it was like during the run of an existing season of Phineas and Ferb. So were you continuing to make the regular episodes while also making the movie? Or did that stop and then you made the movie and then resumed the episodes? No, we did not have that luxury. Um, What was that,
2: that like? That was, it was hard. That was the kind of thing we kept trying to, to talk to the executives about because um, they gave us quite a deadline. What they and and this was the, the thing that we avoided mostly them doing again moving forward was they just kind of said, "Oh, let's just do the math for whatever long, however long it takes to do eleven minutes, we'll just multiply that out."
5: Hmm. Like,
2: it doesn't work that way.
4: It's not how that works.
2: <laughs> um, because these are not a you know contained eleven minutes. We have to work on a, a, a one story. And getting that right and making sure all those pieces fit and tell a compelling story is much harder. You can't just give six storyboard teams a part of the script uh, you know, or, you know, an outline and expect it all to connect. It doesn't work that way. Um, so in the middle of that, we were still in full production on the rest of it. And now uh, I literally had times when I was sitting in, watching an animatic, writing notes and realizing two-thirds of the way through that I was writing notes for the wrong anime. Oh. Um, and I was writing notes because I'm like, well, they didn't even set the thing up with the horse. You know, and and then I thought, oh, wait, this isn't even the episode with the horse. I've had to say stop. Go back to the beginning. This is the one with the ducks.
5: Okay, I'm sorry. We'll the start. The horse open. in a bookcase lore yeah. is all wrong.
2: <laughs> They're just you know, you're kind of brain dead. You've been watching stuff from several different stories and trying to keep them all straight. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> it worked out in the end. I think mostly it worked out because the very last stop, uh, especially back then was Dan and I, and we would sit and take all the pieces and put them together and make the revisions and and, and
4: make it work. We had that luxury.
5: I think it paid off.
4: Yeah, yeah absolutely. it worked. Um, so obviously, the the whole show there's always action with Doof and Perry, but obviously in the movie here the action set pieces are a lot larger. Um, starting with that first um, that first um, scene where Perry actually finally is forced to reveal himself to Phineas and Ferb, and then you get all the Norm Bots, and it's that whole scene on the roof um, where it's both that um, really really well done. Um, you know char- character moment of um Phineas trying to kind of hash this out but also they're being chased by um the not not necessarily chased but they're being you know they're having lasers shot at them by the platyborg that was all yeah. I, I love all of that how that how that turned out it
2: was good enough that you know Marvel stole all of that stuff.
4: Yeah <laughs> well, that's of course <laughs> the, the whole the ending scene, scene
5: from Avengers in,
4: which, yeah that blew my mind can't get over that
2: and we didn't even get a thank you in the film.
5: <laughs> no. Does this that mean been, that Phineas is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
4: Well, yeah, it is. Of course it is. But <laughs> we first saw that. Stuff, we were just like, oh,
2: damn.
5: Somewhere <laughs> there's an edit of the... Somebody
2: working on that, because the truth is, I mean, you know, they were working on that whole thing ages ago. So oh, you know, yeah. it was happening parallel. But ours came out first. You just know there was at some point where somebody went, Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: I'm gonna have to make an uncomfortable call. Somebody on YouTube made an edit of the um, Battle of New York scene from Avengers with uh, Love Handles Robot Riot just playing over it, and it lines up. <laughs> so Oh, uh, yeah. We had uh, uh,
1: uh,
2: Bobby Lopez. Uh, who was who's written songs with us. He's the guy who wrote, you know, with the uh, Christian Frozen and Book of Mormon. And, you know, amazing, amazing He's the guy he, that
0: wrote all the awesome things.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's, it's awesome. <laughs> He's a good, he, he used to come out and write with us. When he was writing Book of Mormon, he was spending a lot of time out on the West Coast and in the evenings when he was free, he'd come write a song with us and we were having a great time. And uh, ages later, we got a call um, he said, Oh, by the way, I just wanted to tell you guys before you hear it anywhere else. I, I, I stole uh, your song, Swinter. I didn't realize I'd done it. Uh, we wrote this song for Frozen and we've written it, produced it, gone to Disney, cut it in the film. They loved it. They were really excited about it. And he said, I woke up in the middle of the night one night thinking, Oh, God, that's Winter. I wrote, Oh, my God. Shit. And he said, and then I had to call them and go. I I know you love it's, it's Swinter. We can- <laughs> <laughs> And he said we had to rewrite it, and it's. Uh, do you want to oh, be able to? do you want to be able It was originally. He oh, said, that's insane. The melody of Swinter. He was humming it at night, and all of a sudden he realized, oh my god, I just rewritten Swinter. That's incredible. <laughs> so he. I thought what a turn to say, guys, uh, we're gonna have to change everything and it's gonna cost a fortune. Because I stole a Phineas and Ferb song without thinking about it. But I (laughs) love that moment at night where he's there going. Oh my god. We've had stuff we've written in the you go home and over the weekend you're listening to the radio and you go. Oh, we just rewrote a kink song. Yeah. Okay, you should get on the fun, and guys, we got to rewrite that Monday morning. We just, you know, wrote, you got me. (laughs) Girl, you got me going. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah, we did. Darn. Okay.
4: I remember that one song in in Milo Murphy where it's like, okay, how close to Uptown Funk can we make this without (laughs) making it Uptown Funk?
0: If only we had access to somebody who parodies music for a living. (laughs)
5: Forever, forever envious that y'all have gotten to work with Weird Al. I mean,
1: uh, you know, cir- circling back to the beginning of the film, I mean, I think there are a lot of uh, musical parallels with everything Better with Perry to um, uh, I Want You Back by Jackson 5. Uh, I played both the songs no. uh, for my dad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no?
2: No? Ours is completely original. Even the costumes.
4: Ah, all right. Well, I... <laughs>
2: anyway
5: what what's a pastiche i'm not familiar with the term <laughs> it's an homage yeah
1: you have summer belongs yeah, I, to you a, of it's a, hairspray it's, it's, i take it's a high compliment i think the song is, yeah, is but, brilliant i mean in that a pastiche is,
0: is the thing that dakota and cavendish are trying to protect with number. yes <laughs> oh, yeah, the, castiche- the, the,
2: the pastiche pastiche,
0: pastiche-,
2: pastiche- <laughs> That one, we really wanted that. I mean, that was, that's why we even went the costumes. We
5: just, we so wanted that. That's also the song where we learn about uh, Ferb's range because he's typically a bass whenever he sings. And that one, he has the high falsetto, which is great. Love
2: that. I think that was actually, uh, that might have been Aaron Jacob, Danny's son, who sings a bunch of stuff for us. He's got an amazing voice.
4: Yeah. Yeah, That's good one of my favorite ones that he did was uh there's no one that i'd rather go nowhere with than you <laughs> i love yeah. that one uh it's good. an aerial area rug, Arial 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 Arial. rug yeah
5: love
1: <laughs> Which that song wasn't it A- the one Arial we rug wrote
5: one with uh we Bob wrote lopez. that with bobby lopez makes sense it's great yeah I find it so interesting which songs made their way onto soundtrack releases and which ones didn't. Cause like, like you mentioned, "Swinter," which and it was like a fan favorite, that was never on the CD. And "Aerial Area Rug," I, I don't think was, but people will like um, play them all the time. Yeah, you know,
1: my Cruise and sweet ride.
5: Yeah, that anyway? I want. Ducky Momo is my friend. Like some of these I just wish there were like high quality.
3: Soundtrack versions of this. Happy
5: New
1: Year. Happy New Year. Happy
3: New Year. Year. That's a lot. We
2: keep wanting to get them now that now that we're not confined to a CD Mm -hmm. release. We're like one day you guys just have to literally put all of them out. Yeah. Um, There's some great ones. The Ducky
1: Momo. Soundtrack versions of of every song.
2: Most of them, and I mean, some of them, you know, they're just going to be short. But what they don't okay. realize is most of the people don't care. They right. just want to yeah. um,
5: You know, brick, 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 brick. <laughs> I would pay right. good money for uh, for the high quality wave of the brick song.
1: Brick song. <laughs> I think you know, for there's a brick. Stuff
5: in there. <laughs> I wanted to do
2: a full-blown, full-length, extended version of meatloaf. Yes, <laughs> of that, that song solo. is good. Extended wow. Meatloaf. <laughs> It'd be great, and really do the whole you know Oasis-style production.
5: How oh, would have been, and, you know. <laughs> I was re- we brought up the wiki earlier Um I recently just for fun was looking on the Phineas and Ferb wiki and found the account that I used to have because I used to contribute to that in like 2009 when I was like 10 or 11 years old and I found a thread that I had made that was like songs that should be on Phineas and Ferb soundtracks Swampy recently tweeted that there might be another soundtrack so here are all of the songs I think there should be. and it was like way too long it was like 60 songs <laughs> but I was I really wanted it was well, somebody told us near the end uh
2: because we somebody asked us in an interview how many songs we'd written and we thought oh god we have probably written you know uh, 100 150 songs and we we got a, a an email from one of the guys in the music department saying i heard you on that interview uh you're at almost 400 <laughs> wow <laughs> no way we went down and had to look at the list because it in, you know it also included little things like brick yeah. but the actual catalog is is massive crazy because you just keep writing them you don't think about it
5: my favorite is the thought uh, about it we wouldn't do it my favorite obscure one is the instrumental version of "Kronk for hire from the emperor's new school yes! that also gets you in phineas and Ferb. <laughs> That blew my you. mind also, finding... finding That was the
4: first it. time uh, Laura Dickinson worked with Danny Jacob was for that song, that little jingle. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. Oh, wow.
4: Yeah, we had her on the show uh, not that long ago. We, right. um, we talked about that. Because uh, my, my, my friend Micah Hirsch, hi Micah, is obsessed with uh, um, The Emperor's New Groove, and he uh, brought that up. i like, that's too funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. We've written
2: yeah. some weird stuff. <laughs> oh, this, did we? Is this the one where we did the and uh, uh, Puss? No, that was, that was, um, that was, one was... One Doofin Puss was Doofin Puss was great. We wanted to write a whole full theme song for that
4: was because that was the sci-fi fantasy convention one. That was wow, Nerds of a Feather, okay. where he's yes. pitching the oh show.
2: Yes, God, that's right. Puss. God, that's <laughs> good. That should have that should have been the. Uh,
4: I think I think Duke was show. pitching a show to Seth McFarlane, if I remember correctly. Um, Kevin Smith. No, it's Kevin Smith. But Seth MacFarlane yeah. was in something else.
2: then. Yeah, like Kevin he did another Smith commute. came into but I think uh, Seth was in that one.
4: Okay. Yeah yeah no kevin smith was yeah no i think seth MacFarlane was the executive dude was pitching it to and then kevin smith was uh the the george lucas kind of character the, the, oh uh, yeah right. yeah
5: you can't just introduce a giant monster uh two-thirds into the yeah. movie it's lazy writing
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's one we're gonna have to have to um do an episode on because i love that episode <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was a good one. We had a, f- a fun time doing that.
4: Oh, but yeah. back to uh, back to across the second dimension. So of course, um, they end up going to go um, find the their their second dimension doppelgangers, Phineas and Furbu, um, and they've of course. Um, the 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 really sweet moment you get right there is when um, the second dimension of Phineas and Percy Perry and they're like Perry, where have you been? And it's like no, he's oh, not. I know Perry. he came with us. Like, oh, can I can I hold him a little longer? It's like you know, it's just it it, it drives home that they they care about Perry so much in any dimension. Oh, yeah, just yes, it, I love that. Yeah, there was
2: a bunch of really heartwarming moments in that.
4: And then, of course, you get Perry um, uh, sneaking off again after, of course, the, the amazing song. Um, yeah. You get Perry sneaking off to, um, you know, make it so that Phineas and Ferb can just get out of there, okay. And Phineas catches him sneaking away. And is like, you know, we, we know your secret. You can okay. just go. <laughs> and you get, uh, I walk away, which is like, you know, just... And it starts raining for, like, 20 seconds just to have that as <laughs> olivia Olson's yeah, saying full dramatic effect. <laughs>
5: yeah i want to say uh, uh, one of my favorite i, I don't know, even know if you'd call it a running gag just sort sure. of quirk about phineas and ferb is that uh perry is fine being seen as an agent by like the public and just like random humans yeah. like on the side of the street it's completely fine yeah. it's just for phineas and ferb so the implication is like yeah you can just leave it's not weird for us anymore and it certainly isn't weird for anyone else that you're a platypus yeah. wearing a hat.
2: Yeah, clearly nobody else seems to
3: check.
1: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I love right. that.
2: Yeah, the outcome is much debated online.
4: And then of course we meet the uh, well, we meet Buford and then Isabella and the the Firestorm Girls is what I believe they were called in yeah. in this con in the in the second dimension, they were the Firestorm Girls. Yeah. Uh, we meet them and then eventually find out that. Um, Candace is actually the leader of the resistance, which I love. I love that reveal <laughs> with the the so topiary good. made out of parsnips. Yeah, that was just a fun little callback with the parsnip allergy. Yeah, and of course she's full Sarah Connor, which is really fun. <laughs> and and yeah, Buford is smitten. Yes, <laughs> Buf- Buford is smitten with basically anyone who happens to do something that impresses him. Yeah, that, that, that kind of became a running gag. Ones. Yeah. Any any time a girl yells at him, he's like, "I am so in love with her right now." Yep. <laughs> or something he like. Likes powerful women. He likes power for women. Yes, <laughs> he does.
0: It's almost like strong female characters are important, and there should be more of them in media.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know. I guess. Indeed. yeah. <laughs> Luke, yeah. Tell your camera up.
0: Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. A warrior.
1: Yes. Uh,
2: we, we wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. Yes. <laughs> um, there's nothing worse than writing, you know, not non-dimensional, one-dimensional female characters. It's just so easy and so lazy and so awful.
4: Oh, yeah. That's what I've always
5: loved about Candace so much is like it, She's not just to me, she never came across as the throwaway character that was like filling a void. Like in a lot of ways, I think in Phineas and Ferb, even in the typical episode, it's sort of structured around her and around the things that push her, because it's always her quest to get her mom. Well,
1: she's the protagonist. I did a
5: I did an essay in college that was like I had to analyze some piece of media and I was like analyzing Phineas and Ferb to explain like uh the character's goals and their obstacles and i was trying to apply it to phineas and ferb and i was like wait it's not phineas and ferb it's candace because this fits this formula so much better with candace um well i
1: I mean uh, i've I've had similar uh talks with people about about the movie mary poppins a lot of people think that mary poppins is the main character and you have to say no it's about george banks it's his journey so even though it's named phineas and ferb and even though it's named mary poppins they're more the device that pushes George and pushes Candace towards achieving their goals.
2: Know, we, we stole the Ferris Bueller model. Yeah. Ferris is not the story. Ferris is the constant, the catalyst. He's the one that drives everybody else to have a character arc.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The story is about Cam. Um,
1: yeah.
2: And doesn't do really. Yeah, I mean, both of those people actually get arcs. And, you know, they're, they, they have movement.
5: That's why I was and such a big fan Phineas
2: of time. Really time. That Last and Day of Ferb Summer. Blazing along, dragging people, everybody with a...
1: It's, it's so funny to, you know, hear Phineas and Ferb being compared to Ferris Bueller, because I never made that connection, but in retrospect, that makes so much sense. Yep.
2: Yeah. No, we, You're we, all about we stole that motto, which was one of the reasons we... At one point, I uh, really wanted to hire Jennifer Grey and get her to do a voice. She played Dr. Havarlick for us. Um,
4: <laughs> cool.
2: And we, Candace was was absolutely inspired by you know Jeannie. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of the things that we had somebody say to us. It was a a guy that we wanted to work on the show with us that we respect hugely. Very funny guy. Um, but he looked at the show and came back and said oh I don't want to work in it this show isn't going to work because your your main characters are too Christ-like they don't have any imperfections that's what we had to explain it's like well it's not their story <laughs> they are the constant yeah everybody else you know has moments and has change and has growth and you know has a story arc because of Phineas
4: the Exactly. I think that's why it is so special when they actually do get more of an arc in this and in, uh, like, "Summer Belongs to You," for example, Um, because we actually because we don't get to see you know them really having to deal with conflict all that often because they usually don't. And that that's that's one of the nice things for us about doing long
2: form stuff all of the longer, hour-long pieces, even the the Star Wars crossover, the Marvel crossover, uh, is, is we, in that format, you really need to give Phineas and Ferb some arc. And right.
4: Because
2: so in the 11 minutes, it really isn't there.
4: They're just having a good time. Uh, so, of course, um, Candace meets up with them and there's a whole... Um, they, they, they take the underground uh, mine cars to doof's headquarters and uh, there's the whole um there's the whole ambush like trap and of course perry using the the watch <laughs> which somehow works across dimensions to A major monogram bathing yeah not between three thirty and 4 <laughs> <It's> googly <laughs> <There. laughs> and um and they go back to the mine cars and try to escape, but then they get captured, and then we're back where we started. But um, of course, we get to see everything going forward from that point um, where Second Dimension Candace comes in and rescues them. And of course, we get the brand new reality sequence, which is awesome. That was, uh, <laughs> that's funny when, you know, you get together to talk about these,
2: you really do forget all the stuff that we we did in there. Yeah. It isn't until somebody starts mentioning this stuff back to you. Oh, yeah, wow.
5: Forgot <laughs> some of the stuff we did. We have some great stuff in there. That was another thing that uh, Phineas and yeah. Fer beat Marvel to is like the dimension hopping, because that that's what Marvel's like really dipping their toes into now. But across the yeah. second dimension, did it 10 years ago. Well, yeah. You know,
3: we,
2: we try to set an example for some of the people coming along, you know, these <laughs> no, yeah. the people um,
4: like Marvel.
2: You know, and, and I, th- I think they're doing pretty good with the, the groundwork that we laid for them. And you know, they're learning the lessons that we were trying to teach. Yeah, they're so, up know, Mark's, we'll
1: see what happens. I love
2: If I say that straight enough,
5: somebody's going to take that clip out. And... <laughs> <laughs> you guys hear they took Mission Marvel and made a whole cinematic series of movies about it? It's weird, wow. right? Wow. <laughs> but you know, more power to them. Have you guys
4: heard of the Star Wars thing some... before that crossover <laughs> happened? <laughs> Now there's a whole theme park land about it.
0: A duck? Howard the duck?
4: <laughs> I still am yeah, so, um, so disappointed. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let us use Howard the duck.
5: <laughs> oh, man. How did Jim's gun get to use him?
4: <laughs> you know, I'm so, so disappointed weird, that man. Galaxy's Edge does not have blue ice cream. I'm like, that. you had one thing. It's like, no it's one an attack happened, to don't. I know what to I know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's not that really good. like the other uh, they have. We have a
1: friend named Taylor uh, who um, is playing Candace in our musical. And she was telling us yesterday, actually, how she was um, I think she was Ray at a kid's birthday party. And a kid was telling her that she knows uh, Star Wars because of the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars episode. Oh,
4: yeah. I love
2: that. So, Somebody uh, had to fill in the gaps. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My favorite thing that happened when we were pitching that and promoting it, um, was being able to say in a large meeting with a bunch of executives that we were explaining that we were using the model of, of Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead. I love that. You could see the guys looking at us and I went, well, you know, because we know how much kids love Tom Stoppard references. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's- and There's just a moment if you say it straight, people look at you like- <laughs>
4: So. Huh? Sure. What what the the it you know, what else I mean, ended up using up using—the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead model, Marvel, King one and with Endgame. Well, oh, yeah, well, yeah. it's a good, it's a good device. And it what lives. I love
5: about that too is you can. Well, they sort of they sort of changed it after Rogue One came out, but prior to that you could like watch Star Wars and insert the Phineas and Ferb episode in and everything still makes a hundred percent sense because it was just like other characters doing stuff well. Which is yeah, funny because like, at
1: the very beginning it says none of this is canon, so relax, but it very it could, easily It be. could have been.
4: <laughs> been, yeah. It was just so that there wasn't a you massive uproar on Reddit, not that, that could, not not that, that would ever stop that now. You have to disarm people yeah yes
2: otherwise people overthink it I
4: and mean, people are still complaining about the last jedi and it's 2021 like that movie came out what like four years ago now well there would Three see years that, ago there
2: was, there was episode four five and six and then then our thing they didn't make other ones
5: that was it yeah. that's yeah. all the star wars
1: that's all the star wars media there is
2: sure. um we never let Django watch any of the other ones because <laughs> we're good parents.
1: Does, does, does he know they exist? <laughs> he might
2: now. He's been, okay, okay. you know, they inter- you go to college, university, they introduce you to a lot of things you shouldn't know about.
1: He comes home. He's like, dad, there are more Star Wars movies. Are you kidding?
2: My, my, my wife's great. She's a, uh, she, she will still have to make sure that she knows uh, whether or not Darth Vader is Star Wars or Star Trek. Ah. One time when she <laughs> said, "You know the the guy who's the the hero of the Star Wars thing, the guy with the the helmet, the black Doctor
0: or, Who, went, Darth, <laughs> and Darth Vader." Darth
2: and
5: she went, yeah, I went, okay, hey, he's not the hero. To be watched the same movie, I thought the guy killing everyone was the good guy. <laughs> But this
2: is, the, this is what I love about my wife. She's not a, uh, a, a, a a a science fiction person and she's also not really a big fan of animation. Oh, wow. Get along great.
1: Eesh. So,
2: you know, I know that her love for me is true and just for me, not because I make cartoons because she's just so good. <laughs> <fabulous. laughs>
4: That's really sweet, honestly.
2: No. She's lovely. But she was also the one who, uh, it was the one who told me that in in Holland, the fact that Darth was Luke's father wasn't a big surprise. Interesting. Name is Darth Vader and in Dutch, father is father.
5: Mm. Oh
1: yeah, I I think someone mentioned that. I think that's like referenced in Pitch Perfect or something like that. Yeah.
2: She was like, you know, there was a whole country that went, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The name. You guys didn't pick that up. Come on, pay attention.
4: (laughs) Um, let's see. Where were we talking about the actual movie? Um, so we were
1: talking about the movie, but something we haven't even touched upon yet, which is how great the dynamic is between first dimension Doof and second dimension. Oh yeah, how and how they have this odd couple relationship.
4: Absolutely. Uh,
1: I think it's it's written so well because I think, you know, when you're writing characters. That are the same character from another dimension. You could fall into the trap of making them too similar, but I think making the doofs sort of opposites just led to some really good comedic moments throughout uh, the entire. It
2: story. was fun recording. Um, you know, I, I, it it makes me a little angry that Dan has actually never won an Emmy <laughs> voice. He's been nominated, but
1: I think he was nominated for this film for a voiceover performance, uh, right?
2: And his, you know, and so much of that, we were in the booth and he was recording one right after the other. Having it, wow. it was very much like you know Seth does having a conversation with himself. But this was, mm-hmm. to me, it was harder because you don't even get to change your voice, right? Mm-hmm. And you had to make it clear. And those interactions were so good and so funny. And you know, Dupe's complete lack of understanding <laughs> of the Second Dimension Dupe was—it's <laughs> just great. You know, it was brilliant stuff again. Going you, the academy, you have missed an oppor- opportunity to do the right thing. <laughs> you need to give him a posthumous. Well, not when he's dead. But oh no. my
1: god!
2: <laughs> Belated <laughs> he's not, he's not Emmy award. Belated. So that'll be you know something about Dan that we don't. Dan Paven <laughs> Meyer is actually dead. It's like the
0: Beatles. <laughs> oh, my god.
3: oh my god! He
0: uploaded his <laughs> consciousness into TikTok. <laughs> Honestly, that's that here forever to the go out.
4: So they can't believe it's coming on cast yet.
5: I want to start with that rumor. It's officially here, I'm, I'm You heard it here first. You
0: heard it here first. Right. R.I.P. Dan. <laughs> if you play your Love Handle album backwards, it says
1: <laughs> he's, <dead. laughs> he's totally dead. <laughs>
2: Thankable for Rumbi <laughs> 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 uh, Oh, pop no. Uh,
3: yeah. Uh, uh, I,
4: I definitely agree with the whole dynamic with um, First Dimension and Second Dimension Juice. It's so great. Um, can I just say how much I appreciate
5: the fact that the only the only divergence, like the only difference between the two that has been established is the the missing train. The train, and yeah. The fact that this one version of Doof is so much eviler. Because I, I think that's in line with what Zach was saying about like defying the stereotype of like alternate dimension versions. Usually they have radically different yeah. backgrounds, but they still end up being similar. But this is kind of the opposite where their background was almost identical, identical. but they became so different. And what was that, you know, that one
4: thing?
3: Are you invalidating his trauma? I'm judging you.
4: So, (laughs) so wait a minute. The second dimension dupe is the variant.
5: (laughs) The TVA. Yes. Sure. Maybe.
1: (laughs) I haven't seen Loki yet, so I I gotta watch it.
3: Everything that Marvel is doing, Phineas and Ferb already did it. Period. Yeah, Phineas
1: and Ferb did it first. That's
3: the
0: theme of this episode. (laughs) Phineas and Ferb did it. See, the thing I want to see is what were, I want to see the second dimension versions of Milo Murphy and his family and friends. Oh, wouldn't that
4: be great? Right? That would be awesome. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Write that on a list of things yeah. that will probably never happen, but would be very cool to see.
5: <laughs> I remember always wanting to see... Uh, what a second dimension Vanessa would look like, and there there's a deleted scene I think on the DVD that shows that. Yep. And then she's also in the the follow up episode where they go yeah. back to the second dimension a couple years later. I really appreciated that. It was because I think she's just one of the best characters. Well, I was yeah. I was watching she the movie today
1: and I saw that Olivia Olson was credited as Vanessa in the in the credits, and I remember thinking, wait wait did I miss Vanessa? Was she in the movie? And I I wasn't paying enough attention.
4: Who is editing? hmm. Yeah, because the scene is there in its it's entirety on the DVD release. Yeah.
2: I'm glad there was some of that stuff we got to say.
4: Yeah.
5: Uh, I find it really fascinating that the only time Charlene Goofenshmirtz ever sings on Phineas and Ferb is when it's her, her second dimension counterpart. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's so obscure, but they got this whole so
2: happy. Allison had just gotten off doing a, a Broadway show, so she'd really been working on her singing chops. So it shows, and we were like, "We'd love to write a song for you," and she was like, "Oh, please, please!" And then we got to write that really great. So all the all the convoluted reasons we pretend to be divorced. Love that yeah. song, so great. And so I have fun. this I, on my phone somewhere. I have a series of pictures of her. At their microphone performing this song. It's so fun. She That's amazing.
1: She's, was she's a treasure. Allison Janney's amazing. God, she's amazing. Every oh, time you. I
4: ride Star Tours, I'm like, oh, hi, Charlene, because she does the, the, so the safety video for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's
2: a, a, just a, a not only a phenomenal talent in everything she does, um, she's got that same kind of versatility like J.K. Simmons or Stephen Root oh yeah anything and they're mind-numbingly good in it um but she's just such a fun person to be near
5: so yeah
4: um i think
5: so... that song is also a. sorry <laughs> go ahead oh
4: go, go ahead go ahead
5: I was just going to say I was still on the topic of the uh, all the convoluted reasons we pretend to be divorced I think that's just another really great example of Phineas and Ferb not talking down to the viewers like that's not something I would have ever expected to see on uh, a show that kids on the Disney Channel watch but I really appreciate it all the more because of it yeah. and it was another one there were some conversations of course can we say the d word
2: well, we'd already gotten over that. I don't think anyone ever, ever wanted to broach that subject again, because my, um, my indignation at that was rather extreme. Um, Glad you pushed for it. And, and, and the payoff has been, I mean, recently I've had people post things on TikTok that have just brought me to tears um, that, you know, that are great validations for having that fight.
1: Um, well, it's great because the show, you know, just shows that, you know, families that, you know, are unconventional are still families at the end of the day. I and, mean, the main characters are, you know, step-siblings. And they still treat each other. Yeah, et cetera. Yeah, they're Disney families.
2: Exactly. Those are the people. That's that's your folks. Yeah. Don't pretend that there isn't a huge segment of them that doesn't
4: exist. Um, right. That's
2: people, man. And, it, and, and to find out you know, from, from folks how much that meant was great. Because it was, I've told this story, I, I, I went home that day. We just moved over from England and sold our house. I told my wife, I, I think I just managed to get fired. And I said, I won't know till tomorrow. But I kind of walked out of a meeting just saying, this is the way it is, or I can't work on it. And thought, uh, well, that was dumb. Nah. And then the next day, had a very nice conversation with Gary, who said, we've thought about what you said. You're clearly very passionate about it. And okay.
1: Is this this the same Gary that gave the note about the emotional connection to Perry? That's Gary. Okay. (laughs) His his (laughs) last name is
2: also Perry his last name is also right. Marge, Marsh. and from the very beginning, I started calling him Uncle Gary. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually older than Gary by a couple of years, but it was really funny as I told him, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call you Uncle Gary, and I hope that people assume that, you know, you're my uncle, and, probably- <laughs> and he, said, he said in a meeting, he goes, that's okay, I won't rat you out. <laughs> so for a long time, I was calling him Uncle Gary, and then I heard from somebody, are, are you, uh, is he actually your uncle? They went no. <laughs> oh, and I said, like, "How long have you thought that was true?" It's like, well, for you know, better part of a year. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done, well done. That's
2: Love that. That's so funny. Yeah. he's a he's a funny guy, but like, he's another one of those folks who's who's been really good to us. And you know, we've had disagreements and um, stuff where we didn't see it the same way. Uh, But he's always listened to us. He's heard our argument out and um, been really good about, you know, either when we didn't win the argument, coming back and explaining it to us, you know, what his feelings were and why. Or when he was convinced by our argument, coming back and saying, okay, uh, I heard you. Um, You're right. And if it was stuff we were really passionate about. More often than not, uh, it went that way. So you know we can complain about executives all the time and and you know we do we'll continue to do so but i want to make sure that we also take a moment to realize that these people were you know they had the responsibility for huge divisions of a company with stockholders and shareholders and 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 they're spending millions and millions of dollars and they need to trust a couple of yahoos like us. I mean, that takes a lot of faith in somebody because, you know, I mean this sincerely, we're idiots. (laughs) We run around saying silly things and doing silly things and silly voices and making up silly songs. We're not traditionally the kind of people that you would trust with several million dollars. Nobody who knows me from my youth would have ever handed you a large sum of money and expected me to do anything wise with it ever. So the fact that these guys would take all this in and, re- and, you know, really give you the respect and make the decisions to, to do things because you're passionate about it. I give them a lot of credit. So there's a lot of Meredith, Gary, um, you know, the list is quite long. I just ran into Bob Iger the
4: other day. Oh,
2: wow. He came to a gallery and, you know, he was one of the people all the way through this, that at some point had to say yes to dumb shit that we wanted to do. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm glad it, it paid off in the end, but I also, I'm not going to diminish, quite frankly, the courage that it took to make some of the decisions they had to make to let us do what we wanted. And yes, they also give really dumb notes sometimes. That's okay, too.
4: You know, there, there's a lot of those things that you kind of um, see, and it's like you know they had to fight for it, but it was all worth it. Um, there's stuff Alex has talked about. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff um, that Dana, creator of the Owl House, will talk about in the future regarding um, everything they've been doing recently, which Pretty pretty cool stuff going on over there, uh, with what they've done,
2: pushing boundaries, and it's exactly. really nice to see. What's happening. And I love hearing from people that, you know, that are over there changing things, that have you know called and said, you know, it was it was you guys doing that, that, you know, pushing
4: those early boundaries. Like that makes me feel good.
2: <laughs> it's important.
4: Yeah. Because, I mean, without you guys, we wouldn't have have had any of these other shows. And yet, nobody sends me a check.
5: (laughs) Twompy, I'll send you everything that we make from our fan musical, which is not... I know, but
2: I think think the thing that that I think we did do um, was create or force an environment over there that was more respectful of the creator. And they, you know, they did a much better job of going out and recruiting creative talent and giving them a lot of freedom. Sometimes too much freedom, to be quite honest. <laughs> there was a couple of shows that I thought uh, they could have they could have stepped in a little earlier and helped people out, and, and it didn't go that way. But it, I'd much rather have them airing on the side of, you know, giving the creators that freedom. And and look at look at the stuff that's coming out. You know, they're they're really doing some different great stuff that wouldn't have been what you expected from Disney a very short time ago. And go them. Absolutely. There's my preachy bit.
4: <laughs> um, so of course we're getting to the 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 fireworks factory, the big finale of the of the the big the big climatic yeah. battle of the movie, which of course as we have said mirrors um uh avengers but i think it's avengers yeah and again avengers mirrors across i think you know no check (laughs) i I think i think about 200
2: yards from here robert robert downey jr had a place up on the top right off of Abbott kinney I sat waiting for a long time just for him to come over. Little thank you, maybe <laughs> some check. flowers, nothing.
0: Swarm a gift card, anything. Swarm a
4: gift card. <laughs> I... A piece of paper says, "I, I, I don't think know. the." <laughs> I think this whole sequence is a lot more fun than that battle in Avengers. Because yeah, you got the, char- the these big characters, but you know, it's all still just. I mean, I guess it, in both cases, they're all just kind of a faceless army, but you know you got all these different things that they're using to take down these robots and it's so much fun so much fan service yeah, yeah. i mean that that's what happens when you have a show like this is you can bring all that back for the movie and be like yeah we have all of this back
5: one thing that uh, i want to bring up about the bringing all of phineas and purpose inventions back and it's not that it's not the timeline thing um oh, again I was recently watching the scenes that like didn't that were fully animated but cut like the ones that made it onto the deleted scenes on the dvd there's just there's an extended bit of the scene where Alka is recreating all the inventions and it's it's really subtle but there's one line of dialogue that I really like in there where it's just Phineas and Ferb pointing out like oh that this means that Perry did see all of these things it's Perry did experience this summer with us Yeah, Um, and that's still I think that's still hinted at or implied without that line. But I I, implied, but we,
2: you know, it was it's another one of those tough lines to cut.
5: Yeah, I really liked it.
2: But you know, if you if you're if you're going on airing on giving your audience the benefit of the doubt that they're going to get that there's stuff you don't need to say.
4: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you still got that moment where um, Harry is surrounded by the robots, and then the you just have the baseball fly into, into frame. And that, I, I think that's perfect. I think that's such a great, great moment. I love
2: the, I love the Steve McQueen school of thought for dialogue. Um, he was one of the only big Hollywood actors who was notorious for going through his scripts and, and crossing lines out. Uh, and while everybody else was trying to get more lines for their character, he was like, I don't need to say that. I can say that with a look. Don't need to say those words. This is unimportant dialogue. You know, give it to somebody else. My character will say something when it's important.
1: See, and as, I, I as a screenwriting major, as, as a screenwriting major, it's fascinating to hear these little tidbits and hear how other people approach it.
2: There's, there's been a few actors. There was another one. I can't remember who it is right off the top of my head, but I heard that from somebody else as well that they used to go through and cross lines off. Really because um, they just wanted the camera. They wanted to be able to say it with a look or a word. But they also, you know, were very keen that their characters shouldn't have, you know, expositionary dialogue. Like, so give that to somebody else. No, but I don't
1: need to say so that. So more, more show, don't tell.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd go through at the end of all these, because it was easy to write tons of dialogue, especially for, like, Doofenshmirtz, and we'd go through and <laughs> red light it. It's like, do we absolutely need to say that? And if we don't we cut it out and it was down you know dan and i used to have you know we were down to syllables you know how quick can we say that and the truth is could we get it down to it yeah reduce a sentence all the way down to a, a sound it was golden it just gave you more time to play visually which was hard yeah, because sometimes we'd get into the booth and realize there was literally two solid pages of doof dialogue <laughs> and some rant. And you Here, just here's look a throat at it. lozenge, Dan. Oh, uh, geez. Did so we just start crossing stuff out and rewriting it on the fly?
0: Just makes me wonder if at any point during any of those recording sessions, it's like, why did we make the platypus not talk? <laughs> we have a perfectly good deep Bradley Baker sitting
2: right there. We've had those conversations and you are like... What is wrong with
5: us? <laughs> God one of my favorite moments, and I'm I'm, I'm glad Perry himself never, but the, the one where he's just lip syncing the dialogue from uh, Tim Curry doing uh, Dr. Lloyd Wexler, <laughs> I, that's the funniest thing ever to me as a kid. That was Tim um, Curry? That was Tim Curry, Tim Curry yeah.
4: The oh my only gosh. thing to yeah. have Richard O'Brien and Tim Curry together since the Rock And Barry
5: Boswick. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. I did a lot of them. To
2: get stuff we, we tried to get Susan Sarandon once, and I think the scheduling <sighs> didn't work out. The only other person we were really trying, and, and we never found a role for, was uh, Little Nell. Um, she's oh, dead that would have been fun. but yeah, we were. That was our dream: was to slowly work our way through the whole Rocky Horror
5: cast. <laughs> Swampy, this is like a a, a personal uh, anecdote, but. Um... Back when we I did my musical two years ago in, in college, it was through the same organization that did the Rocky Horror Picture Show stuff at our university. And we were like so worried about our Instagram because we're like, he's following our Instagram. Now we have to take all this Rocky Horror stuff off where he's going to... And then he, you started liking all of them. And I was like, <laughs> he worked with Richard O'Brien. Why are we concerned about this? like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm working with him currently on another
2: project right now. That's ooh, amazing. Ooh, awesome. Nice. Very
4: cool.
5: Musical
2: fairy tale that I can't really say more, but yeah, we're, we're good. If I would, I would actually have been down in New Zealand right now, recording this with him if it wasn't for COVID. Right. Lovely guy. And we're good friends with his family. And he's just one of the the nicest lunatics you'll ever meet. (laughs) Hugely grateful, but he loves all that stuff. You know, it's the fact that all this is still resonating with people. Yeah, you know, shocks him and delights him all at the same time. Yeah, he's a good dude. Rocky Horror awesome. is so much fun. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: yeah, it is. And the music is just blindingly good.
4: So, so good.
2: The, uh, the music for his follow-up shock treatment, the film itself wasn't as good and it was, I think it suffered because it didn't get the same uh, stage work. Mm-hmm. Rocky Horror really got to craft itself by touring and performing and all of this, and they really knew where they were going. Shock Treatment didn't get the benefit of that, but if you just listen to the music of Shock Treatment, it's good. God, it's good.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, Shock Treatment. The soundtrack is amazing. Just brilliant. i will
2: gonna to listen to that now. Before you do that, I want to tell you one of my favorite Rocky Horror stories because. Please much- do. Shortly after that, I'm going to have to go, but I do want to tell this story. So Dan and I, when we were working on Rocco's Modern Life together, writing and storyboarding, we used to, for the cleanup phase of the storyboard, because we were just there then for a week cleaning up, it was silent. Um, As my old drafting teaster used to say, it was just assholes and elbows. (laughs) Um, And we had a cassette recording of the whole Rocky Horror Show, the film, not just the soundtrack, the whole film, we just recorded it. And we would put it in and play it. And it was just sort of like you know background music when we were working. And one of the guys who used to come in and clean up with us just started to drive him crazy. It's like, ah, do we have to listen to that again? <laughs> hey, you know, he was not it was not his thing. And we're like, dude, I'm sorry, but this is, we got a lot of work to do. This is how we work. I apologize, but suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> So one day when we were out of the office, he apparently got the tape, the cassette, plugged up the holes and found a blank space in the dialogue. Oh my God. Recorded himself going, this stuff sucks, man. It really sucks. And then took the tape off and put it back in the case and put it back at our desk. And his idea was we'd be listening to it next week and be really funny. So Dan unbeknownst to him, came in over the weekend to do some cleanup work. And he put that tape in and was listening to it and heard his voice. And he was like, oh, I see what he was trying to do. So Dan took the tape home, taped over the holes and re-recorded the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then came back in and told me about it. So he goes, so next week, we're just gonna put it in. And just <laughs> sure enough, we got that. we put the cassette in and you could see him. It's like. You guys gonna play that again? It's like, yeah, you know, it's Monday. Weekend. Okay. And you could see him waiting. And then it passed the point where his voice should have come up. <laughs> <laughs> then he's, is this, the only, is this the only one of those tapes you have? We're like, yeah, Barry, it's the you know, same one we've always had. You know, we don't keep a an eye of them, dude. And that's Joke. it. <laughs> Freaked him out. We never told him. That's
5: so He has cool. to listen to the show to find out.
2: The other thing that he didn't know is we'd taken his compilation tape of music that he used to play this cassette and plugged it up and found a gap and went, recorded. This sucks, man. This really sucks. <laughs> Six months later, Dan gets a call from him. <laughs> oh, man, you guys got me. You totally got me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh i love like
2: that long play gag ever <laughs> love that. came clean and told break. us he was like i can't believe it i don't know what happened i came in here and i recorded over this thing because i was trying to and it's gone i listened back to it i know it was there and we're like, i don't know what to tell you man
5: <laughs> you tape over the little holes he
0: goes yes i know how to work it
5: as somebody who has uh, edited the Rocky Horror Picture Show to insert memes and goofy videos and lines of dialogue, that makes me so happy, because that's just like, it's the same thing, but just a slightly earlier form of media. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it
4: was good. Well, it was great. How are you on, Swambi. We'll definitely have to do this again, of course.
5: It was lovely talking to you. Thank you Great so much for supporting game. our project. We all are so happy every time you comment on anything that you Oh, did. thank you
2: thank guys you. for doing what you do. Um, soon, yeah. makes me happy very, very much.
1: Uh, Swampy, before you go, would it be OK if I grabbed a picture of all this really quick? There's like a screenshot or something. Yeah, absolutely.
4: So Tammy's screen blocked right, cool. out. Uh, Another yeah, screen. I
3: disconnected, and there's it's two of me now. Oh, there so we there's go. there's
4: two
1: of her, I'll yeah. it. Anyway, I'm sorry. All right, one, two, three. Awesome. Thank you, Swampy, and thank you all.
4: <laughs> I got it framed perfectly with the poster in the background. Perfect. <laughs> Guys, be
2: well. Good to see you and/or meet you, Tammy. Good luck with the architecture degree.
3: Thank you. Have a good one, Honestly, Swampy. And thank you so much for that's all I needed on. to keep going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll see y'all soon
1: see, ya. Thank, see you. Ya. thank
4: you yeah uh, thank you bye all right so um any any other things to say about the movie really i mean i think we kind of covered everything except that i don't think we ever mentioned slash
0: oh yeah mm. well we shouldn't talk about all the slash fanfic we'll for right this now. movie that would be inappropriate <laughs> oh no <laughs> as soon as you introduce alternate
5: versions of characters that just gets infinitely worse <laughs>
0: What kind of show would have a character date themselves? I mean, really? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: right? <laughs>
0: Marvel, yet <clears clears throat> again, so. we're
3: looking at you.
4: Of course, <laughs> Kick It Up a Notch is fantastic. I love that song.
5: Yeah, I, I like that they got uh, Second Dimension Doof to sing on that as well. They like, yes. t- tied it back into the movie and not just this standalone uh, rock song.
4: And I think that pretty much is everything. Um... Oh, that darn fiance 3D. (laughs) Just like, yeah. Also, part of the cinematic universe. That's a thing. Uh, Okay, so it is plug time. Everybody, plug your stuff. Uh, uh, Andrew, go first. There we go
5: hello um so uh the reason we're on the show to begin with is because we're here uh to represent a musical that i uh wrote and directed and have been editing the last several months uh called musical without a cool acronym it's a phineas and Ferb parody musical we uh cast uh, almost 50 people via remote auditions back in december we filmed the whole thing on zoom we've been editing it and it's almost ready to come out um we're aiming for a release date of August 20th, um, which is very soon. And this is, by the t- by the time this goes up, we'll have announced it. But at the moment, we haven't announced that yet. But stay tuned on our, our social medias uh, at mwca.musical on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and uh, everywhere under the sun.
4: Okay, Zach.
1: All right, um, I am Zach. I play Phineas in Musical Without a Acronym, uh, and I'm also one of the editors of the show. Uh, you've heard all the plugs for uh, Andrew for that. Uh, but personally speaking, uh, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Zach Timson, on Twitter at Zach underscore Timson, and you can find me on Facebook and YouTube, just Zach Timson. Uh, on YouTube, I post a lot of uh, sketch comedy, song parodies, et cetera, et cetera uh so be sure to check it out and see musical without a cool acronym tentatively coming august 20th
4: and you're also on a netflix show <laughs> well oh, how did I? I i didn't know we were doing that
1: but yes <laughs> yeah. if you um if you like sketch comedy and you like history uh and you have siblings that are ages eight to ten there is a netflix uh sketch comedy series called the who was show based on the who was uh, biography series um, I'm one of the main cast members on that show. We won an Emmy back in 2019. So if you like history and sketch comedy, be sure to check out the Who Was Show. All
4: right, Tammy.
3: Okay, hi, I'm Tammy. Uh, and I play Isabella Garcia Shapiro on Musical Without a Cool Acronym. And basically you can find, find me anywhere with the name Tammy Rosales, pretty much it. I do covers in Spanish on YouTube. So that's kind of cool.
0: And Luke. Well, uh, I'm Luke Ski. I'm a storyboard artist who's currently looking for a full-time position at an animation studio. So, if there were anybody hearing my voice who actually works and has their own animation studio or has connections to other people running shows for big animation studios and is looking to hire, you know, a guy who really enjoys comedy music and being funny and storyboarding, you know, you could go to my uh, portfolio page, which is www.luke dot ski that's l-u-k-e dot s-k-i and you can uh uh check out my portfolio of animatics and get my resume and all that stuff and hire me so that i can have a job again at a big studio and have some sense of self-worth and self-esteem again um so uh, what else can I plug? I could plug uh, the fact that I do comedy music, you know, in case anybody out there likes funny songs, um, you can go to lukeski.bandcamp.com and check out my uh, like 25 years worth of comedy music about various pop culture topics, including many animated series. Um, and, you know, going back to that conversation we had way earlier about like, oh, you wish there was a whole bunch of... Um, Uh, You know, songs from Phineas and Ferb uh, that were released on the soundtrack. Um, If you were to type in accidentally uh, mightymagisords.bandcamp.com, you just might find something there for free um, (laughs) that may be of interest to all 'all. (laughs) y'all. Amazing that, that me and Kyle put there. Speaking of me and Kyle, uh, Kyle A. Coroza, aka TV's Kyle, the creator uh, and and of a third of the voice cast of Cartoon Network's Mighty Magiswords. Uh, uh, he and I do a podcast together called Kyle and Luke Talk About Tunes. We just had episode 200, uh, and also 201 recently, which both ended up being super huge episodes with lots of special guests. Uh, we had um, Ian Jones Cordy, uh, the creator of OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes, we've had Candy Milo on recently uh, uh the uh, legendary voice actress who recently was granny in space jam um so lots of cool stuff there so you can go to kyle and uh or just you know google around for kyle and luke talk about tunes and you'll find it we've been around since like 2013 um yeah let's see i plugged the plug i plugged i plug the uh, uh the songs and i plugged me desperately wanting another animation career job so yeah i think that's about everything <laughs>
5: You're working on the Dr. Demento show, right? Uh,
0: yeah. uh, My comedy, my comedy music has been played by Dr. Demento, uh, hundreds of times over the past, uh, 20 or so years. I'm the, the, I have the distinction of being his most requested comedy music act of the 21st century. Uh, so that's, that's, that's that's something I can brag about to the few people who have any idea what those words mean. So, (laughs) but yeah, as I said before, you can go to lukeske.bandcamp.com, uh, and, and hear stuff. I'm working on a new song that I'm hopefully going to get done and post within a month, but I've been too busy trying to <laughs> apply for storyboarding jobs <laughs> <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> to to make a lot of uh, comedy music lately. But that's okay because there's a whole back catalog there at Bandcamp. Yay! Hooray! And now I got to email this image to Swampy. <laughs> yes. I know. Uh, I know. Luke, you
4: probably didn't have time to listen to the episode we did on Bluey that just came out today, but we referenced FumpFest because um, there's an episode of we ah. called StumpFest and so we're like, oh, so is that like Fump Fest? And
0: uh, um... Yeah, for those of you who don't know, which would be all of you, um, <laughs> uh, Fump, F-U-M-P, stands for Funny Music Project, and we have a website called The Funny Music Project where myself and a bunch of other acts from the Dr. Demando Show post free comedy music twice a week um, and we've been doing that since 2007. So there's about 1,500 songs there with new ones coming out all the time on, you know, sometimes they're about pop culture. Sometimes they're just bizarre, bizarre data ist you know, craziness. Sometimes it's, you know, social humor, like whatever. We, every genre, every topic you can think of, we probably have a comedy song about it. Anyway, uh, we have our own festival happening out in Chicago, Illinois, uh, the weekend of August uh, 20th through 22nd. Called Fump Fest. So, if you live near Chicago and would like to see me on stage performing my comedy songs and a bunch of my friends, you can go to fumpfest.com and find out how to get uh, uh, get into that show. Assuming that this episode posts before then,
4: it will. Yeah, this is going on on Monday. Uh, but yeah, with uh, with the the the, the Fump Fest reference in the last episode, we was like, okay, so uh, the great Labski Dog tur demento, and then I realized the much the the much better uh, version of Tony would be um, Bony Goldbark for, for dog <laughs> puns. <laughs> nice though, but I hadn't I, I couldn't figure out one for Weird Al. Uh, uh
0: Weird Al yorkievic.
4: Yes, there we go. There we go. All right. (laughs) Come on with the poodle hat. There it is. You can follow me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97. As far as the Road Trip series that I've been teasing for a while goes, the first episode of that will be out before I leave for California next month. But other than that, the rest of it will be coming out after that. So September and beyond. It's going to take a little while, but... It's going to be worth it. I'm very much looking forward to these. They're going to be a lot of fun. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on all the usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I'm now available on iHeartRadio and Audible. Leave us a review, give us five stars, and share us with your friends. And in the interest of keeping up with brand new shows, next week we're talking about the first ever Marvel Studios animated series. Officially, like within the MCU. Marvel's What If. Right here on the podcast without a cool actor. Right,
1: let's. Burn!